0: The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. If you are new with us this morning, first time, I want to extend a warm, special Happy New Year welcome to you. It's great that you're here with us at PCC for this last Sunday. If you've got your Word with you, the Bible with you, please go ahead and grab that. We're going to turn to this familiar passage, wonderful, important passage found in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to jump in at verse 4 and read down to verse 7. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Today we're going to glean some important, needed wisdom from this fourth chapter of Philippians so that we'll be a people in 2019 and beyond that are characterized by, listen, thanksgiving, not fretting. Who thinks that sounds like a good thing? Come on, who's with me? will be characterized, my prayer, by worship, not worry. Well, how? Well, let's go to the text, let's read it out, and then we'll unpack it together. So this is what Paul says, verse 4. It's great to have you kids with us, by the way. It's great to have you. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He's making a point. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And then he adds, the Lord is near. Verse 6, very familiar words. Do not be anxious about anything. Now just pause there. I don't have time to unpack this in the sermon, but I just want to briefly state that when Paul says here, don't be anxious about anything, he's not talking about all concern. He's not talking about every type of anxiety because there is such a thing as good anxiety or good concern. For example, when you see someone in need and you become anxious for their welfare and that anxiety leads to charity, clearly that's a good thing, right? So when Paul uh, prohibits anxiety, he's talking about the ugly type of anxiety. We all know the difference, right? The unhelpful, unhealthy anxiety that drags us away from Jesus. And so that's what he's talking about in verse 6. So let's go back to the text. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And if we do that, then the promise of verse 7 becomes ours. Here we go. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so it's blatantly obvious from the get-go that in the mind of the apostle, the apostle Paul, thanksgiving and fretting are completely incompatible right so if you if you're worshiping then you won't be worrying but if, if you're if you're fretting then you won't be thanking because the two are mutually exclusive so the question from the get-go becomes, then, then how do we avoid being characterized by fretting, 2019 and beyond? Or to put the question in the positive, how do we become a people characterized by thanksgiving? The answer is found by, in these three words that I'll unpack for us. These three words that help us make better sense of this important passage. And the three words are these. Bit of a Christmas jingle to them. Are you ready? Near, here and rear. What do I mean? <laughs> rear. You've got to be careful with that one, all right? Near, here, and rear, meaning 2019 will be a year of thanksgiving for you and for me if we remind ourselves, if we remember that because of our love for Christ, because we are God's people, therefore, God is ever near us God will always hear us and rear, meaning God will always guard us. He will always protect us. He will always have our back. Amen? And so this is, this is where we're heading in this message. So let me unpack each word in turn, the first being near. Just before Paul admonishes us to stay away from negative anxiety in verse 6, he gives us our first remedy for our unhealthy worry in these words, verse 5, the Lord is. Is what? Near. The Lord is near. You see, we need to follow his train of thought. That for Paul, realizing and remembering that the Lord is near will help us not be anxious because these two ideas are connected. Verse 5, the Lord is near. And in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. There's a connection. And what is that connection? Well, let me explain this way. When you stop to think about your anxiety, all right, when your mind is being pulled apart over something, uh, it might be a work-related issue, a family-related issue, an image-related issue, a relationship-related issue. Whatever issue, you know your Achilles heel when it comes to anxiety. If you actually stop to pause, and, pause and, and, and think about why you're being bent out of shape, why your mind is being pulled apart, you will notice that you have forgotten that the Lord is near. That's the common denominator with all our anxiety that we forget that the Lord, the good God, the one who is there to support us and guide us and give us strength and wisdom, well, we forget that he is actually with us, that he is close, that he is near. Christian counselor David Powlison, he wrote a little book called, uh, called Overcoming Anxiety, and it's a, an important little book, and he says this, quote, he says, when you worry and obsess, guilty as charged, all right, who's with me, you are living as if just you and your struggles You and your anxieties are going one-on-one, kind of fighting it out. If you remember, he goes on to say, in even the worst circumstances that the Lord is near, he's close to you, he's not away from you, he's close in proximity to you, then you'll have a rock on which your heart can rest. And you see, this was David, King David's experience. He says to us in Psalm 23 that even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil. And by the way, he walked through some pretty dark, bleak, depressing, debilitating valleys. I mean, he had one king, King Saul, after him, trying to kill him. His very own son, Absalom, he turned against him and betrayed him and wanted his throne. And so David knew firsthand from experience what it was like to pass through these dark valleys. And yet he's given the ability to sing Well, even though that's the case, I will fear no evil. What's your secret, David? Well, he goes on to tell us, for you are what? With me. In other words, when he experienced anxiety, he reminded himself of what? The Lord's presence. The Lord was near to him. And that gave him courage, that gave him strength, because he must have reasoned, okay, well, King Saul is after me, but the Lord, the King who is above every kingdom and above every empire is for me, not against me, right? And so this experience will be ours as well. If 2019 and beyond, we remember that the Lord is close to us, that he's close to you, that he's near you. I remember when Madison was born. If you're new with us this morning, I have three beautiful daughters. Kaylee, she's seven. Annabelle, I think she's messing around in the crate somewhere. She's five. And Maddie, she's three. And when Maddie was three, I was really violently sick. And I know what some of you are thinking, it was just a bout of man flu. No, it wasn't. It was a lot worse than man flu. I know man flu is the worst disease on the planet, but this was a real bad, bad uh, case of uh, of illness. And I remember when Hill and Dash, the the senior pastors, if you knew they're the senior pastors here and they're not here, they're away for their summer holiday, go them. They came to visit us in hospital, and when they came, I was on the floor. I was just out for the count. I felt like death warmed up, and you can get your violin out now if you want and start playing. But I, I couldn't make any sense. I felt so weak and depleted of strength, and I had to take three weeks off work, which is kind of unheard of for me. And during that time when I was at home, I was a bit discouraged. I was, I was down. I put on a worship song, and as I listened to the lyrics to that song, the, the lyrics that were speaking about God's goodness and his presence reminded me that he was actually near And I sensed in that moment his sweet, abiding, strengthening presence. And even though my circumstance didn't change, I had the ability to to thank him and to praise him as tears rolled down my cheeks. You see, this is to be our experience, all of our experience. When you go through dark valleys, those dark valleys, here's the promise, can become sweet for you. Why? Because in the dark times, you realize that what you really need is the Lord. And the Lord is with you, guiding you. Ever present as your helper and your strength. Amen. So the first thing we need to remember is that the Lord is near. Secondly, here, here. Let's go back to the text, verse six, these incredible vital words. Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So he's talking about the need, our need to pray and to praise. I'm just summarizing prayer, petition, thanksgiving. He's talking about prayer and praise. And then he says, present your requests to God. And so in the context of anxiety and worry, he's saying we've got to be about prayer and praise. Now question, why does Paul state confidently state and assert that the main remedy for our bad anxiety is prayer and praise? Why? Well, because it follows that the Lord who is near is also the God who is close, who hears us. When we cry out to him, when we go through hard times and we cry out for help, he hears us, he listens to us. And, and surely this is the main antidote for ang- our anxiety, actually believing this, receiving this into our hearts, that the Lord who is ever close is the Lord who listens to you when you're in need, when you cry out to him. This is a, this is a game changer. So if you, if you believe this, because I think our temptation a lot of the time when we come into God's presence, when we're going through hard times in particular, is that we view God doing this. He's kind of like sitting on his kind of throne, and he's kind of disinterested, his arms folded. This is subconscious, of course. And it's like, oh, you again. Like, what are you doing? Oh, you've got this problem again. Like seriously, come back when uh, you get over it. But, but if you see God and picture God being attentive on the edge of his throne, in fact, as Jesus talks about in the prodigal son, not only sitting on the edge of his throne, but actually running towards you as you come to him with your concern. Wow, that's a game changer. You know, Peter, the apostle Peter, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, he says these words, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and now notice these encouraging words. He says, and his ears, listen, are attentive to their prayer. If you remember that when you go through hard times, you will come out of your anxiety and you'll be able to thank him. Seriously, because he's attentive. He cares, in other words. He's, he hears you. He's, he listens to you. You know, just the other day, as a family, went to uh, Manly. We have been having awesome weather. And we went to Manly, my, my father here. Is over from the UK, and so we—he we, loves going to Manly. We all love going to Manly, and so we went there. And after going to Moo Burger, who's ever been to Moo Burger, that burger joint? Seriously, you need to get a life. Like seriously. <laughs> you need to go there. I commend it to you. After a big burger, we had big ice creams. And so after our big burger and our big ice creams, we thought we'd better go for a big walk. And so that's what we, <laughs> that's, that's what we did. And then the, the kids decided to play on the beach. And my dad and I, we went off for a stroll. And as we were returning to the main mall, we had to stop for a, another toilet break. Because having three little girls means, you know, you've got to stop every single hour uh, for a loo stop. And so we stopped at a toilet. And, and we don't know how, but one of our girls just kind of vanished. Like, she was there, and then we looked around. Where, where, where's our girl? Like, where's our daughter gone? And, and, and Natalie was getting a bit anxious, and, of course, I was getting a bit anxious. There was a lot of people. It was very crowded. And so I said to Natalie, okay, you, you, you stay here, and I'll, I'll go and try and find the runaway child. And so, thankfully, about 50 meters down the, the road, I saw my girl. And from a distance, I could see that she was anxious, Clearly, right? she was, obviously, she was, she was concerned, and she was talking to another lady, like, where's my mommy, daddy? I don't know where they've gone. And so I called out to her, hey, "Hey, and she heard me, and it was like, you know, one of those scenes from the a movie, the beach scene, you know, kind of, I'm running towards her, <laughs> hero dad, and she's running towards me, tears streaming down her face, and I picked her up. Now, listen to me. How did I respond to her anxiety? How did I respond? Did I reprimand her? Did I say, hey, Dolly Daydream, you've got to pay more attention when you're walking with your sisters. Seriously, you've got to walk with your head up, eyes open, not to the ground, just shuffling. No, I didn't say that. Those things didn't even enter my mind. I responded to her anxiety by being what? Attentive. Attentive. As God is attentive to our cries. I picked her up. I stooped her up. And I embraced her. And she was crying. I said, It's okay. Daddy's here, like Super Daddy, you know. Daddy's here. It's okay. See, church, look. This is the picture that Paul is giving to us here in Philippians chapter 4. I don't know whether you've ever seen it that way, but that's the picture. That when we come to God with our concerns and anxiety, he's attentive. He wants to stoop us up, he wants to embrace us and fill our hearts with his peace and his love. And clearly, this is the picture that Peter's given to us, that his ears are attentive to their prayer. If you receive this, if you remember this, 2019 and beyond, this is a game changer. Seriously, it's a game changer. Now, just a word of qualification here. God being close to us, God being a God who is attentive to our needs and our cries, does not mean that the circumstance that is bringing about the anxiety, will change. Yeah, I'm talking. You understand? That even though God is there for us and he's listened to us, that doesn't mean that the thing that's actually causing the concern and the anxiety will necessarily change. In fact, your dark valley may become even darker. You may not be cured of cancer. Your money issue may become worse. Your marital issue may grow from bad to worse. That's not the promise. The promise is that even in your dark valley, even if 2019 is just one extended dark valley for you, the promise is God is with you. That's the promise. And God listens to you so that when you call out for wisdom, as James says in the first chapter, he will give it to you without finding fault. And you say, God, I don't know what to do. This money issue, this marital issue, this health issue, I don't know where to turn. I don't know whether to go left or right or straight ahead or to retreat. God will give you the discernment, the wisdom. That's the promise. And also, we promised at the end of this book in Philippians 4 that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Which doesn't mean that your life will become a bed of roses. But in your valley, he will give you the grace to Overcome anxiety, not give in to it, and remain trusting. Amen? That's the promise. And so, these two consolations, these two comforts, the reality that God will be with us and He hears us ought to bring about delight in our souls. So that we don't actually give in to anxiety. The psalmist was clearly right when he sings in Psalm 94, verse 19. He says these words When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, that is, when my anxiety is going crazy in my brain. Your consolations, your encouragements, your comforts, in other words, delight my soul. And these two comforts, the Lord being near and the Lord hearing you, are massive consolations that would enable your soul to delight, not fret. Can I hear an amen? Last consolation, rear. Now, I need to explain this one, don't I? Rear. God, this is what it means, God is our guard, is our guardian. He's our warrior king. He's our protector who provides us with something we desperately need in our times of pressure and concern. And what's that? What what do we desperately need when we're biting our nails, when we're becoming anxious? Well, let's go back to the text and find out. Verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything, dot, 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 prayer and praise. Present your requests to God. Verse 7. And, here we go. The peace of God... The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Now, I'm going to make an important qualification, clarifying statement in just a moment about the difference between peace with God and the peace of God. There is a big difference, and we'll come to that in just a minute. But here, to begin with, Paul is talking about the peace of God, which is God's very own peace, which is like he is, otherworldly and supernatural, That's why it transcends understanding because this is not human peace, teeny weeny human peace. This is his otherworldly peace that you can't put in a box. And the promise is this, that it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, God's at your rear. He's got your back. He's your guardian, guiding you and guarding you with his supernatural peace. Now, every time I read this verse out, or I hear someone else read it out, I think to myself, I seriously want that. Like, I need that because I constantly give in to fear. I especially when I preach, just before I preach, seriously, there's a lot of anxiety that goes on up there, right? You may think, oh, this seems so relaxed. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I'm really concerned. Oh, they're going to hate it. Oh, this is going to go wrong, all right? So I give in to concern. And so I want this experience of peace because this is a promise. This is not just a, a carrot that God dangles before us. Okay, here's my peace that transcends all understanding, but you're never going to actually receive it. You're never going to experience it. It's an experience that we're to have on a daily basis. And so my question is, okay, I want that. But then my question becomes then, how do I receive it? And, and what does it actually mean, this peace that guards our hearts? Well, the word guard in the Greek is the word frueo. Freo. And if you just pronounce Ferrero Rocher, you pretty much have got the pronunciation down pat. And by the way, how many of you have had too many Ferrero Rocher this Christmas? Yeah. Well, you've got 2019 to work it off. Well, good. The word Ferrero describes the way, listen to me, back on track, Lewis. It describes the way Roman soldiers would guard the city from enemy invasion. And these Philippian believers would have instinctively understood... Paul's descriptive language, because obviously being in the city of Philippi, they were under Roman occupation, Roman rule, and they would have been well aware of the multitude of Roman soldiers standing outside the main city gate, you know, marching up and down, uh, protecting the city from enemy invasion. They would do that through the day, they would do that through the night. And not only would they protect the city from enemy invasion and enemy attack, but they would also, and this is really apt and that description of what happens when we get anxious, they used to protect the people from doing a really dumb thing, a really stupid thing, and that's fleeing from the city. Okay, the enemy is coming. All right, let's head for the hills. That's a really silly thing to do when you've got uh, uh, an enemy that's wanted to kill you. And so they would actually keep the people in. And isn't that what happens when we are anxious? We're tempted to flee, right? We're tempted to escape, escapism, you know? We overeat or we overspend or we give into some other sinful, silly thing. And the, the, the reality is here, the point is that God's peace not only protects us from the enemy, namely anxiety, but also protects us from ourselves, from doing silly, sinful things. And so the promise is, just as the Roman soldiers actively protected the city, so God's peace will actively guard and protect our hearts from heart-numbing anxiety. I want some of that. who's with me. In other words, because God, our Father who is close to us, always listens to us is at our back is at our rear we can overcome all fear that's the promise now here's the qualification i mentioned earlier paul's talking about this peace of god and i pray that this would be our experience 2019 and for the rest of our lives this peace of god but here's the thing not every christian experiences this peace of god There is a vast difference between having peace with God and experiencing the peace of God. Every Christian has peace with God. That's something that Christ has won for us through his death and resurrection. We're told that in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, that because we have faith in him, we've been justified, which means that we have now peace with God. Christ was condemned for us, we'll never have to face that. He was forsaken for us. We'll never experience God. Forsakenness, we have this peace, and it's a it's a gift, this peace with God. There's no longer any enmity, but experiencing the peace of God is different. It's different. Not every Christian, we don't all experience the peace of God when we go through hard times, do we? Why? Why? Well, because we don't do the first two things. We forget that the Lord is near. And we don't go to God with our concerns and our anxieties. We don't see that he's a God attentive to our needs. And because we don't do that, we forfeit this peace of God. And so I pray 2019, we won't forfeit the peace of God, but actually experience this peace that transcends understanding, right? As we run to him. Because look, when we do, we'll become more like this 16th century martyr named Nicholas Ridley. Now, you may have heard of Nicholas Ridley, but let me tell you about this guy. Incredible guy. In 1555, the then Queen of England, Queen Mary I, better known as Bloody Mary, uh, because she was a little mean to Christians. She had a few Christians burnt at the stake. Uh, This guy, Nicholas Ridley, he was actually burnt at the stake because of his witness for Christ in that year. On the night before Ridley's execution, his brother went to the chamber. If you've ever been to the Tower of London, and obviously London, uh, you would have seen it. And he was, yeah, good. Uh, He was there for a number of months before his execution. And his brother actually went to him the night before his execution to offer his assistance and just be there to comfort him. And and, and Nicholas uh, Ridley, he declined his brother's offer and replied that, you know, he was going to sleep fine that night and that he wasn't bothered really about the execution because, his words, he had placed his heart into the everlasting arms of his father. In other words, he was experiencing the supernatural peace of God that transcends all understanding. If I was there, I'd be like, i am going to die at stake, you know, help, help, help. But he had that peace of God. And, and this promise is for all of us. This this promise, this experience is not only for 16th century Christian martyrs, but this promise is for 21st century Christians living in Australia. This promise is for you. This promise is for me. If like Nicholas Ridley, we remember that the Lord is close, that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that Christ on the cross won that, secured that for us, that he, as we heard in the communion, he was forsaken. The Father turned away from him. The Father left him because he was bearing our sin. That's the consequence of sin. God forsaken us, but Jesus took it for us, which means we will always experience, always have God's presence with us. And so I pray that we would realize that, that he's close, that he listens to us. He's attentive as our father. And if we remember those things and put those things into practice, we'll actually experience his supernatural, otherworldly, incredible peace. Amen? Amen. So I pray this would be our experience in 2019. How about we stand, church? I just want to encourage you to reflect on what we've been think about, thinking about from this important text. Just for a moment, and then um, it's really over to you. There's going to be a, a microphone that we'll pass around. If you want to share something, a story, if you've come prepared, then, then please share that. And We'll have a time of thanksgiving, hearing your stories of God's goodness towards us. And then we'll close with some more thanksgiving worship. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I pray that these truths, these realities would go deep down within our hearts. It's one thing to know them, theoretically, but it's it's a completely different thing to to know them experientially, deep within. To to know that because of Christ, we will never, ever be forsaken by you. (laughs) Because of Christ, when he cried out, my God, my God, he heard no reply. But now when we cry out, We hear a reply because we have your concern. We have your attention. You're attentive to our cries. So, Lord, I pray, Father, help us reflect on this today, throughout the year. I pray, Lord God, because I know, and and some of you, and I just feel to say this, some of you are actually going through a really dark, bleak valley at the moment, and it's been really debilitating for you. It's been really hard for you. And you've even questioned, God, where are you? Well, he's with you. He's with you. He's with you. And he's listening. He's ready to pour out wisdom and strength and grace to not necessarily change your situation, but to change you in the situation. Father, I praise you. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Church, may may you take your seat again as we have some testimonies. Who's, who's going to kick us off this morning? Who's going to be the brave one? Nick, well done, my friend. You can run, yeah. Sorry? There's another mic, yeah. You don't have to walk. You have to tread on people.
1: Uh, morning. Uh, this one? That's good. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Last year, sorry, this year, it's nearly last year, uh, 25th of November, I had a stroke. Okay, It was a Sunday morning and two weeks before, um, God was already bringing things to me and he was talking to me, sort of, I I believe in preparation because even though the stroke is something that happened to me personally, physically it's left a few marks. I've only got a a, a blood clot that's about a five cent piece inside my brain but uh, affected my vision, my balance and my headache. But there was a uh, guy who was preaching, Michael Yusuf, and he was preaching on First Samuel seven twelve, and he spoke about a, a rock he made as a memorial of remembrance. And sometimes we forget things that God has done for us. And He laid this rock down as a remembrance that God had brought him that far, so He's going to take him all away. So, for me personally, I've seen many things. Um, I, it, it came out of nowhere. I was expecting something else in my uh, body rather than a stroke. And uh, it turned out to be a stroke. And um, to me, I've seen other things because I've always stand there and look to see, or look around because our God is a multi dimensional God. And when He is in our lives, our lives are, are pretty complicated. But the interaction of God within our lives is a lot more complicated than we know. And He's brought about change. Uh, within work situations for me which wouldn't have been possible so there's always something good that can come out of a bad situation so to him you know i give him praise and to people who are going through things that obviously are a little bit difficult don't give up hope because like the pastor said you know mm-hmm. god god wants to hear your voice like right. the king said to queen esther he'd already lifted the scepter he wanted to hear a prayer don't don't ever give up. Thanks, thanks, Nick, for the encouragement.
0: about will give the, the Lord a clap <laughs> up being incredible testimony. Thanks, Nick, for kicking us off. Who else would like to share something? I saw a hand somewhere. Was that just a nervous twitch? No. <laughs> Diane. Diane.
2: Good morning, Church. Um, back in June, when I saw my hematologist. Um, she suggested that I go off my medication. And I was excited by that, because if anybody knows me, they are very anti-pills. And uh, so naturally I did the Just next slightly. day. <laughs> well, I felt at the time though, a week later, when I lost my mum, that it was very bad timing. But anyway, in God's goodness, when I saw her again in, June, in uh, December, my hemoglobin, my, my levels, my Philadelphia cell levels are still very low. And I can still remain off my tablets that I've been taking. So I just praise God for that every day. And um, I'm still very thankful. It means I have to have a blood test every month and see her every two months instead of four months. But I can cope with that. So you know, I'm very thankful for that.
0: That's fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Anyone else? I don't believe we're going to hear the crickets just yet. Okay, I've
3: got one. We won't talk about the cricket right now. Uh, oh,
0: yes. <laughs> Any Indians here? No. Um, I had a job
3: last year which I was in for about 15 years and um, just it was in, in a Christian organisation uh, with fringe benefits or whatever. So one day, just out of curiosity, I asked my, my um, paymaster, I says, what, what sort of salary would I need? out in the open market to have the same disposable income. And he gave me a figure. It was just a thing, a curiosity thing. And then um, early this year, um, very unexpectedly and abruptly, I lost that job. And being 58 years old and no qualifications apart from a driver's licence, and my wife figured I'd never get a job with that because I'm just too impatient you know, to do something like, like Uber with other drivers, <laughs> it wouldn't last very long. But um, anyway, I I got a redundancy package, and I thought, well, it was just before Easter, a few weeks before Easter. I thought, well, I'm just not going to do anything. I'll wait until Easter and then look for look for a job. And then about a week later, I got a phone call from uh, a friend who I hadn't seen for ages, who had a business, and said, hey, Look, um, we're creating, thinking of creating a new position in our factory. We think you'd be a good fit. We're looking for an assistant manager. I thought, that's great, but I said, I'm not looking for work right now. Don't, you can know, Start after each other. I said, that's fine. It's just, it's something in the pipeline. I said, yeah, fine. Okay. And then a week later, I got a phone call from him again. Oh, look, there was this guy that used to work for us about a year ago. He wants to come back and we need his skills more than we need you. So... You know that job wasn't available, but he said we've got another job come up in the office as a customer assistance role, and um, I said, "Yeah, okay, I'd be interested in that." And I thought, and when I spoke to the to, man, to the manager, went for the interview. I just out of curiosity, he mentioned how much what the what the salary was, and uh, so I I remember saying to God, when, when I lost the job, I'd like to be able to continue my lifestyle, you know, on a, you know, have the same sort of income. And the ballpark figure that he gave me for this new position was exactly the same as the one that I got you know, previously. And so for the last eight months now, I've been working in that new role. So God is more than able.
0: Excellent. We love your provision. Excellent. Three testimonies. Anyone else? Stephen. Just over here, sir.
4: Uh, September. Not this last one, but the one before that. I was suffering a lot of pain in the chest and that. I went to my doctor. He sent me to a specialist. And he signed me into uh, St. Vincent's Hospital on the diet. And he said that... Uh, you're not facing, uh, what do they call them, implants or something. He said you were facing major surgery, bypass surgery, because all of your arteries are blocked. And so into hospital, I had, and, uh, the Bible says that you call upon your elders and your pastors, which I did, and they came in, they prayed for me, and while they were praying for me, I felt something going on in here, and it wasn't pain but I knew something was going on because I could feel it, and it was quite pleasant. And uh, then they took me into the a- angiogram room where they put the dye in and, and big screen, you, and you're watching the, watching it flow through, and I thought, look at that. They're, they're, it's flowing so good. I, I felt really good. And then when they finished, the, uh, the doctor that did the, uh, the uh whatever you call it. He uh he said there's nothing wrong but I want you to go back to your uh specialist and you'll send the report. And I went back to the specialist when I got out of the hospital and uh this specialist was the sort of bloke he'd call you in and you'd have a chat to you before he did anything else, you know. How you going? Mate? This time he came out of his room called me, and without going into the room, he says, well, I don't know what's going on with you, but as far as I'm concerned, your arteries were blocked. So I told him, yeah, well, I know, but I called upon my elders, and God healed me. I've never had a problem since. That's amazing. Wow.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you, Stephen, for that. Very encouraging. Anyone else? <laughs> Don't worry, I won't start nominating. Um, <laughs> only do that at Christmas Eve games. <laughs> <Next scene.
5: laughs> okay, I'm going to read Lex's Thanksgiving. Sir Lewis has just spoken about trials this year and shared from James 1 that we should delight when faced with a trial, fight and persevere through a trial, and keep our sight fixed on Christ through a trial. I have struggled with all three of these aspects in this particular trial. Matt and I have experienced setbacks on a long road to starting a family, and I have had many periods of time where my soul has been downcast and I have questioned God's plan. Earlier in the year, in the midst of this season, I completely forgot to get a repeat prescription of medicine to assist us in this. But despite my absent-mindedness and questioning and struggling faith to trust and persevere in our circumstances, this was the cycle that God blessed us with the miracle natural conception of our baby." And whilst we are still waiting to meet our little one, I want to step out in faith today to declare my thankfulness and God's greatness and goodness and faithfulness and my faith that we will meet our big little blessing very soon. Although this isn't everyone's journey or God's only method of answering prayers to start a family, to me it signified God's sovereignty in our situation. I hope our testimony encourages you where you're at in your faith and through your trials to persevere and to cling to Christ and sing his praises in all seasons.
0: Thanks, Lexi. Fantastic. How long have we got? Maybe time for one more. Who else wants to share?
6: Newton, thanks Newton. Um, I just want to thank God for the life of my family. Um, From the beginning of the year, he has been our stronghold. Um, He led us through, and there was many things that um, I was facing at work, and it happened that through that I got severe incidents, and my time has been operated, um, surgery has been done, And during the surgery, after a month, um, I went back to the hospital uh, for a checkup, and as the bandage was taken off and my thumb was infected. And so luckily that day, the doctor who did the surgery comes around and have a look at, at my thumb, and then he said, oh, come over to my office. I want to have a look. And then she have a look, and then he said, no. This is no good, it shouldn't be like that, so I have to go through a second surgery again, and she told me that uh, after this one, if it doesn't heal properly, then the best option is to cut off my tongue and that day, um, I was a bit panicking, but I hold on to my God that uh, everything will go on well and Ever since then, that surgery has been done. And thankfully, uh, my time is healed up now. And I'm so grateful for what God has done in my life. Fantastic. <laughs>
0: That's excellent. Church, how about we stand? As I call the music guys to come forward, the worship team, uh, for the next 10 minutes or so. How about we just spend some time thanking God, praising Him for His goodness towards us. And, you know, when we look back and see his faithfulness, that gives us great courage for tomorrow and next year. He's going to be with us. And so that's our consolation and comfort. So thank you, team.